morning. Well, before we jump into uh, our passage this morning, just wanted to give you a prayer opportunity for our very own Pastor Jeff. He's been with us for so long. Um, he had a heart valve replaced on Monday in surgery, and then he got pneumonia after that. But he's doing well. He might get released today or tomorrow, but let's just lift up Pastor Jeff in prayer. Father, we're so thankful that you caught this and uh, that the surgery was successful. And we just ask that you would heal Pastor Jeff, Lord. Get him past this pneumonia, Lord. Get him out of the, the hospital. But in this moment, give him rest. We know he likes to work, Lord, but give him rest. And we pray that you'd continue to sustain him, Lord. So we commit him to you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we're in our Come and See series in the Gospel of John. We're in John chapter 6 today. If you want to open your Bibles, you can open up the Church Center app and click on Sermon Notes as well. We find ourselves in this section of Scripture at Passover time. This is a time when the Jews would be remembering their deliverance under Moses out of Egypt, but they'd also be remembering the prophet that Moses said that was, was going to come that would be just like him. There's an important Old Testament prophecy, Deuteronomy 18, 15, where Moses said, God is going to raise up a prophet like me. Listen to him. And that's important because Jesus does a very Moses-like thing to show us that he is that prophet. He feeds 5,000 people in the wilderness, and it would bring memories back to the time when the Israelites were fed with bread from heaven, manna in the wilderness. And so in this passage, when we dig into it, we see that Jesus is going to allow overwhelming, confusing, and even dark times to remind us and show us that we can go to him all the time that he is always the right person to go to when we are struggling. That should be the case for us personally, nationally. When something is, is devastating, we look to God. Just this last week, I saw an article about Madagascar, this green island that has been turning red because of drought. They've had, I think, four years of drought. And there's, there's a picture we'll put on the screen here, how people have been cutting down trees to make charcoal, um, they've been cutting down trees to make more room for their crops. But now the, the wind is just blowing the sand without hitting any of the trees. And, and this island is becoming red and they're really struggling. And the subtitle of this article was, if there's no rain, I don't know what we'll do. We'll pray to God. Yes, that's, that's the point. When we are struggling, when we are going through a difficult situation, we look to God for our help. I know we've got about 15 steps before looking to God in California when we have a drought, but we will look to God when we have difficulties in our lives. Now, in John chapter 6, verse 5, we see a miracle that is so important. It is the only other miracle besides the resurrection included in all four Gospels. And it starts like this in verse 5. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, spoke up, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down, about 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he, he did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. 
So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. We see here that Jesus invites his disciples into overwhelming situations to teach us to look to him when we can't figure it out. We are invited into overwhelming situations. You could say that sometimes we are led into overwhelming situations so that we would look to Jesus. And this is what Jesus does here when he, he looks at Philip. I'm not sure if he had a smirk on his face. He's trying not to laugh. I don't know. But when he says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Right? He's showing Philip there's a lack. There's an impossible situation here. What are we going to do? And we encounter situations like this where we are, are just so, so in realization of our lack that we don't have the supply, that we don't have what it takes to get through the situation. What do we do in those moments? Lack is not always a bad thing. In this situation, it was a test. It was a test for the disciples to see where they would depend upon for their resources. It's good to be reminded that we do not have all the answers and we do not have all the resources. And so when we can't figure it out, remember that God already has. God's already got it figured out. Verse 6, it says that he already had in mind what he was going to do. How comforting to know that Jesus knows what he's going to do. Jesus knows how to get us out of our difficult situations. And so when we're overwhelmed and we don't know what to do, we need to remember Jesus is not anxious about this situation because he knows and sees what comes next. And if we were able to see that what comes next wasn't a big deal and, and God was going to get us through it, then we wouldn't be anxious. A couple of years ago, we had passes to Legoland and kids love Legos, but it's also cute because they make these little roller coasters at Legoland. And so it's your kid's first roller coaster. I'm not sure if it was the dinosaur one or the Technic roller coaster, but I remember each of the kids going on their first roller coaster. And, you know, so with Abigail, you know, we're going up the track and they try and make it dramatic. It's like the loudest noise ever. Click, 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 click. And you're just like, oh, the suspense that's building as you're going up this. And then it's just, whoo and you just kind of glide around. And, but the panic in my kids' faces, now when Titus goes on his first roller coaster, he's like, Dad, Dad, you know, I, I'm not anxious about it because I know after that last click, it's just going to be a wee little ride and he's going to be okay. He's going to be excited. And then he's not even nervous about it the next time because he knows what happens next. God is aware of what happens after our moments of anxiety. He knows how he is going to be faithful and it's comforting for us to look to him. So when we can't figure it out, often it's because our calculations, they lack God. Like we're, we're figuring it all out without him. Verse seven, Philip says, I'm doing the math. It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread just to give everyone a bite, not even to give them a whole meal. And so it's just not gonna work. He did the math, but he calculated without Christ. And we do that. Right? We look and say, well, the rent's not going to get paid. I guess we will get evicted. Oh, I don't see how I will ever be outside of the hospital. This relationship is broken. It will never be mended. And we're doing our math without God. I'm going to put an equation on the screen here to show us the conclusions we come to sometimes. Doubting math is our need plus our supply. And when that's not enough, our conclusion is God doesn't care. Right? I mean, he's my father in heaven. He's a good shepherd. So if he cared, when I had a lack of supply, he would meet that. And so he, obviously he doesn't care. That's the temptation to believe when our supply and our need isn't adding up. 
But a believer can look at our need plus our supply, and when it doesn't add up, we realize, okay, this is a test. I need to seek God's care. I need to remind myself that he is a good father in heaven, that he's a good shepherd that provides. And so I'm going to seek his care, and I'm going to go to him in prayer. When this test comes to me, I'm going to seek God when I don't have enough. Now, sometimes God changes the equation. Sometimes it goes from our need and then all of a sudden it's God's supply and we're okay. And it's easy for us to see that God cares because he answered our prayers exactly by giving us his supply. But when that doesn't happen, we need to change our conclusion. Instead of thinking God doesn't care, we say, no, this is a moment for me to seek God's care in my life. The math will work as a believer because God has infinite resources and he is good. So if he is withholding, it is for a reason. Now, when we can't figure it out, we just have to take the next faithful step of obedience, as small as it may be. Just what is the next thing that I can do to show faithfulness? Not paralysis, but faithfulness. Andrew steps up and says, well, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. And Jesus replies, get that trash away from me and find me some sourdough. Sorry, that's, uh, that's not the translation I'm reading from this morning. I did read that in one of the translations. Jesus is like, I'm the son of God. I'm not having barley. I want sourdough here. Um, but it does not say that in my translation, actually. Forgive me. Listen, Andrew's just looking around saying, all right, well, Philip, Philip said the math doesn't work. That's not the answer. This kid brought his lunch. But what is this among so many people? What is the next faithful step that we can do for Andrew it was, well, here's what we have, Lord. And that's the, that's the heart posture we should have. Here's what I have, Lord. Instead of, instead of doing nothing and just going deeper and deeper into the darkness and the anxiety, we say, well, Lord, here's the next step of what I can do and be faithful to trust in you. Be determined to take that next step. My wife was, um, she's always terrified when all of a sudden I say that in the middle of the service. She's terrified right there now. But my, my wife was working on a puzzle. And the way this starts is, you know, the whole family's involved in, in the puzzle and the kids quickly weren't interested. And, and I, I got to a point, I don't, I don't know about this. And she worked on this thing for days and weeks. Let me show you the puzzle she was working on. We'll put it on the screen here. Days and weeks. Okay, that's not the puzzle she was working on. It was a it was a thousand-piece Rudolph puzzle before Christmas. Here's my problem with that puzzle. 80% of the puzzle was snow. So it's like, oh, white with light white, with medium white, with dark white, with white with a shadow. It's like, this is stupid. This never should have been a puzzle. Some photos shouldn't be turned into puzzles. It should be like the, a Caribbean island with popping colors everywhere so you have a chance. So I actually gave up, and instead of supporting my wife, I said, sweetie, give up. Just give up every day give up. I'm just this voice of encouragement in our household. And the kids are seeing their father and say, yeah, mom, give up. I'm like, yeah, good job, kids. Give up, mom. But every day she just put a few more pieces together. And eventually after a few weeks, there's only 20 pieces left. And, and, and we all kind of join in and help her finish it, which made her even more upset because now we're acting like we were a part of the puzzle. She was faithful to take the next step. Listen, Jesus says that he is going to finish the work that he started in us. But that doesn't mean that we don't have a role to play. What's the next faithful step that God wants us to take? Because Christ loves using inadequate people with inadequate resources to meet the needs of, of his body. He'll do that. And so how can we be involved in that? One day, we will look back and see just how calmly 
Jesus got us through what felt like an impossible situation. Jesus isn't showing any anxiety here at all. He's like, have everyone sit down. There's a lot of grass. It's going to be super comfortable. Have everyone sit down. He prays, distributes the food. Hey, look, there's a lot of leftovers. And now all these apostles, 12 of them are holding 12 12 bags of, of leftover barley, staring at their doubt that wasn't even needed in that moment. Jesus is calm. Some of you are really starting to like Jesus through this series. You're like, water to wine, free bread. This Jesus guy might be worth following here. But here's the thing. At the end of our lives, we will all share the same testimony of Jesus. We will all declare he is faithful. He was faithful. He is faithful. And I wish I had trusted him just a little bit more. I didn't have to sit in my anxiety. I could have trusted that Jesus had it all under control. That's our future. And so how should it affect our walk? That's a guaranteed outcome that Jesus will be seen as faithful. And so at a minimum, we don't have to panic right now. We can calmly trust Jesus with impossible situations. I like how the Apostle Paul talks about God meeting our needs in Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches in Christ Jesus. God loves to meet the needs of people in a way that gives glory to Jesus. Now, the people saw this amazing miracle and it's going to stir the crowd. But God wanted to continue to teach the disciples lessons. And so in verse 16, it says, when evening came, his disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. And when they had rowed three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on water. They were frightened, but he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. And then they were willing to take him into the boat and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Jesus allows us difficult times so that we can experience his power. It's not the only reason we have difficult times. Sometimes it's because of our choices and just sin in this world, but Jesus allows difficult times so we can experience the power of God. It's one thing to read about the power of God in Egypt rescuing his people, and it's a whole other thing to experience the power and peace of God yourself. This story is everything you need to be frightened in life. It was dark. There were strong winds. The waters were rough. They rode three to four miles, so they're exhausted. And then Jesus hadn't joined them yet, so they're without Jesus as well. It doesn't get much darker than going through a storm without Jesus. So why does God allow us to go through storms without Jesus? Well, he actually doesn't do that. He doesn't allow that. In this story, yes, Jesus was separate from the apostles, but now that Jesus has sent his Holy Spirit to us, Jesus dwells in our hearts at all times. We are never without Jesus. We just forget about Jesus. Jesus is always with believers today, willing to give us his power when we feel weak, when we're going through difficulties. The truth spoken to the Apostle Paul and his struggles is true for us. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God will get glory by helping us in situations that feel impossible to us. And so how did God solve this situation? Only one of the five difficulties changed. Only one. It was still dark. There were still strong winds. The waters were still rough. They were still exhausted. The only thing that changed is Jesus got in the boat. Jesus walks up and says, it is I, 
do not be afraid, as if that was enough to calm everyone down. He didn't get there and say, the light's coming up soon. Don't worry, the, the waters are going to be calm. Don't worry, we're going to... He just says, I'm here with you. You don't have to be afraid because I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That is enough to calm us in our anxiety. Our circumstances may not change, but our realization of God's presence with us can change. And all of a sudden, the disciples realize Jesus, who multiplied the loaves and walked on water, is here with us in the boat. I think we're going to be okay. I just want to take a moment and brag on a, a Cornerstone member right now. M many people in our church have been going through major operations, hearing diagnosis of, of huge illnesses, but I've seen God give grace to people where they have peace in their heart despite this pain that they just heard. And one of our church members that, that is doing this is, is Nancy Brockman. It was uh, the day of our 30th anniversary here that on the way home from church, I called her because the next day she was having her tongue removed from cancer. And I, to be honest, I wanted to hear her voice one last time. I wanted to pray with her. But what she said to me was so surprising. And she said, Andy, I know, I know this sounds weird, but I'm excited. I said, Nancy, that does sound weird, explain. And she said, I love Jesus. I love to serve him. I don't know how I will be able to serve him without my tongue. And so I'm excited to see what Jesus is going to do because I'll be serving him somehow. Blew my mind the peace that she had. Now the surgery went well, better than expected, and they didn't have to remove her entire tongue so she'll still be able to taste and, and relearn how to speak. And she, she's still out of church right now because of some infections, but her, her spirit is one of trusting in Jesus. She missed church so much. She missed worshiping so much that we had our, our whole staff and some volunteers pop over to her house and sing some worship songs with her. And while she couldn't make any noises, she raised her hands in what was just some of the most beautiful worship I had ever seen. God says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And in God's timing, he will get us past the storm. In verse 21, it says, immediately the boat reached the shore. And so Jesus chose in that moment to remove them from the storm. And that's what we want. And that's what we pray for, immediate relief. But we can trust that God is good and that he loves us if he delays in removing us from the storm. And so as we continue, we see in verse 26 why people are following him. It says, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, or because, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. People are following Jesus for their, for their own reasons. In verse 3 of this chapter, it says a large crowd gathered because they saw Jesus heal the sick. So some people are there because they want to see another healing. Nothing wrong with asking God for a healing, but they were following him to get the healing or at least to watch it. Jesus calls out this next crowd in Capernaum who had seen, you know, seen his miracles and seen him multiply the loaves. He says, you're only here because I gave out free bread. You're here because you want to be fed with free food. These people wanted full bellies. They wanted a better life. Jesus wanted to give them the kingdom of God. And you can miss one in pursuit of the other. 
If our goal is pursuing our best possible life, and we're not going to describe it as selfish to do that because I just want, I just want things to always work out. Sometimes in pursuit of, of our better life from the way we think about it, we miss out on the kingdom of God that Jesus is trying to give us. So don't be distracted by shiny things that aren't saving things. And learn from the emotions of Jesus in this passage. Jesus is upset at people seeking him. This is crazy. People are seeking Jesus and he's upset. Can you imagine why he would be upset? Well, it's because they were seeking him as useful. They wanted free food. They wanted the healing. As they're recognizing he's the Messiah and the prophet like Moses, they want national power. Jesus, lead us against Rome. They're seeking him for the wrong reasons. And hear this, Jesus did not come to meet the needs that we already had before we were born again. He came to change our desires, to change what we hope for, to become the desire that we have. We, we, we have to admit that we had desires before we started a relationship with Jesus. Jesus isn't here just to fulfill that wish list, but to give us the kingdom of God and what he desires. He did not come to be useful, but to be precious to us. This, this last week or so, just had a head cold. It wasn't COVID, but it was just a head cold. And so I'm sitting there and I found all of my prayers eventually were, Lord, help me not to be sick. I don't want to be sniffling and coughing, you know, during, while I'm preaching. So every prayer was, Lord, be useful to me. Lord, just heal me. Get, the, get me past this. It's been, been a couple of weeks. Come on. And then I realized as I read this passage, I just want Jesus to be useful and I'm losing sight of how precious he is. And the Lord was able to rebuke me in that, and I was able to change my tone midweek and, and just begin to seek God for who he is and to thank him for who he is, whether or not I was ready to preach at all. He has to be precious to us. These people, this crowd tried to make him king, but Jesus rejects seekers who only want his power and not him. We all have needs. It's okay to ask, but we need to want Jesus for who he is, not what he can give us. In verse 28, we see him try to explain all this. These people, they, they kind of receive the rebuke. They say in verse 28, then they asked him, what must we do to do the work God requires? This is an important question. They're basically asking, what does God require of us? And there's so many different answers to this. Every religion has their own answer to this question. What does God require of us? What's the answer of Jesus? He says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Their work is simply to let Jesus work, to trust in Jesus for our salvation, to say that when we don't have the supply, when we don't have the resources, we will look to the one that loves us, that proved his love for us. We will look to Jesus. Believe in Jesus, that's the work. And so Jesus tries to explain this in verse 51. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. What is, what is Jesus talking about here? In one way, I think you can sum it up by saying, Jesus came to us not to give us bread, but to be bread. He, he came not to be useful to us, but to be the thing that we need for life, to be what nourishes us 
in life. There was a, in 2015, there was a survey, I think the University of Minnesota did it. I don't think it needs to be updated. It feels right. But they, they sat outside of a department store, didn't sell any food. It was just a large department store. And they interviewed 81 people. They probably gave them a little money because the people had to share their receipts with these researchers. So they're looking at the receipts and then they're asking them some questions about their mood, about the, their level of hunger and, and a few other things. And what they found was that those that were hungry when they went shopping spent 64% more money than those that weren't hungry. They weren't even at a grocery store. It makes sense when you're at a grocery store and you're like, oh, I'll die if I don't get the Oreos or bread or anything. They were looking at clothing, shoes, jewelry, and they still spent 64% more because they were hungry. Because, and the conclusion that University of Minnesota came to was when people are hungry, they want to seek, they want to acquire. They're looking for something to meet that need, even when it's not food, even when food isn't available, they still want to acquire more because they're hungry. Jesus is coming to us and saying, I am the bread of life. And if we can find our nourishment in Jesus, if we can be filled up by the bread of life, our relationship with him, we will not seek and attempt to acquire the things of this world, the destructive things that are hurting us and our relationships. We won't have to, to seek after those things. They won't have as much pull on us because we will be so satisfied in Jesus. This is how we overcome sin. It's not just saying resist, resist, resist. It's resisting and then walking in the spirit. It's resisting and then saying, I will find my greatest satisfaction in Jesus. He is the bread of life. He's going to help me. Now, Jesus is being obscure and dramatic in the language he's using, right? Eat my flesh, drink my blood. You're like, oh my, this is terrifying, right? Cannibalism, what is he saying? Obviously, that wasn't what Jesus was saying. This is a metaphor for believing in Jesus, a metaphor for saying, go to Jesus for your life, for your nourishment, trust in Jesus. But he is speaking in this obscure way, I think, to weed out lazy seekers. It's as if he's putting the cookies on the top shelf and saying, if, if you're so lazy, you're not gonna grab a ladder and bring it over here, then you're gonna miss out on the blessing. They needed to wrestle through these difficult statements. And if they were willing to and stuck around enough, and they would learn what Jesus was really talking about was that he was the Messiah, he was the Son of God, and he could meet all of their needs. So some didn't want to do this. We see in verse 60, it says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? In verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Some people didn't want to follow the true Jesus. They wanted to follow the Jesus that there were rumors about. Did you hear this guy fed 5,000 people? It was impossible. It was a miracle. They wanted to follow that Jesus, the, the Jesus they were creating in their own minds, the Jesus other people were telling them about, but not the true and living Jesus that we see revealed in the scriptures. And so they were unwilling to follow him. And so they wrestled with it a little bit and then said, no, we're out of here. And a large group of people that would have identified themselves as Jesus followers said no longer. And they left Jesus in Capernaum, right? They, they, they saw the truth about who Jesus is and said, no, this doesn't work for us. And we have to wrestle with that. Are we willing to follow Jesus? Because the kingdom of God that Jesus describes is a hard pill to swallow, if we're honest. 
admitting that I am a sinner that needs a savior, admitting that I am not good enough to be judged righteous to go to heaven and I just need to plead for mercy with the Son of God, that's a tough pill to swallow. Repenting of my selfish desires and saying, no, I will follow the way of Jesus even though that is sacrificial and it is not what my desire was before I was born again. It's this new desire that, that Jesus is giving me. We have to wrestle with these questions, but Jesus is showing them. You can't follow a false version of him or a version of Jesus that we make in our own minds. It's the Jesus that we see in the scriptures that can save us. And so he looks, it's kind of sad how he says, he looks at his disciples, the 12 that remained and said, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. His disciples had seen the multiplying of the loaves, but they had also seen Jesus walk on water. They saw Jesus. They heard people confused about everything that wanted to leave. And they made a decision in their mind saying, no, we are going to reaffirm our faith in you, Jesus. We've come to believe that you are the son of God, right? That you are the Messiah and we're going to, it doesn't mean they figured it out. Constantly in the gospels, the disciples are asking questions, making suggestions that are wrong and being corrected by Jesus. But they knew deep down that Jesus was the holy one of God. And so instead of leaving with everyone else, they said, no, we are going to reaffirm our faith in you, Jesus. We are going to trust that you are the only way to the father. So we're gonna pray right now I want us to be thinking about that. We, we go through storms. We go through difficulties. We have lack in our life and we can't figure it out. That's either going to drive us away from Jesus or we can pause and say, no, Jesus, I'm after you, not just what you can provide me. That is an important question for the strength that we can have in our relationship with Jesus. And so, Father, would you please help us just to weigh those things? We need to count the costs and decide if we're going to follow you. But we're gonna follow you whether, whether you answer our prayers or not. You have already proven your love to us in dying on the cross for our sins. You've already proven, it's not fair for us to say, if you love me, you'll answer this prayer. You know the desperation of our cries when we're praying for loved ones that are sick and begging you to heal our family. Lord, you understand our humanity. And sometimes you do change the equation and give us your supply. And other times you tell us we need to trust in you and seek you as precious, not as, as useful. And so just, just take a moment in the quietness of your own heart. And if that's how you feel today, just reaffirm your commitment to Jesus. Just talk to Jesus about believing in him right now. Father, we, we want you to answer our prayers. We, we beg you to give us your supply. We need your help. But when we can't figure it out, we're saying right now that we still trust you for who you are. We still love you for who you are and you are worth following. Give us the strength to follow after you, even in difficult times. We thank you that you are good and we can hold on to that as an anchor to our soul. In Jesus' name, amen. 
We're going to have a prayer team available here right now. If you need prayer, please come forward so that we can pray for you. If you'd like to talk to us about beginning a relationship with Jesus, our prayer team would be happy to talk to you about that as well. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.